Fontana rolling out the right, looking toward the end zone, throwing under pressure, throws his pass. Caught by Clark. Clark got a touchdown. Troy Clark has it. It's a touchdown for the 49ers. You're now listening to the 4th and Gold Podcast with Javi and Matt. Welcome to the 4th and Gold Podcast. We are back with another episode. The Niners are on a bye week. They are enjoying some well-deserved rest after going 13-3. and um, What a season has been. A lot of doubters, a lot of folks out there didn't believe we'd go 13-3, and be the number one seed, or even make the playoffs. Matt, how you feeling about this season, man? Oh, you know, we talked about it last week after the Seahawks game and just how pumped up we were. I mean, this is this is more than we ever thought the 49ers were going to do. Um, right. And it's way more than our guests thought the 49ers were going to do. Because, of course, I mean, we've, been, we've been talking about it all week. We are being joined by our man, Adam Rank of NFL Network. Adam, how you doing, brother? I'm wonderful. I, uh, it, Matt, first of all, it's really nice to talk to you. It feels like we're, it feels like we're yeah. old friends by now. We've been, we've been through it. You have been, uh, as weird as it would say, it would be one of my most vocal supporters, even though I was not very, very kind to the 49ers back in June, but still. So I feel like it's, it's good to talk to you and Javi pleasure to, to, to speak with you as well. So this is, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, we you know we appreciate you coming on. Um, now, no, no, we're we're doing a, a Skype chat right now, but we don't have the video on. You can't see it. Javi can't see it. The listeners can't see it. But I just want you to know, I have a very smug look on my face right now <laughs> after your prediction from the beginning of the year. So I want you to just kick us uh, kick us off with the prediction. Talk us through it. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it it got away from us real quick. It's it's one of those things, and I know a lot of people. They want to know what happened and, and what was going on. And I think it, you know, there were a lot of people, uh, fans of a lot of teams who were miffed at predictions that I had made. I, I didn't think that the 49ers were going to be very good. I didn't think Washington was going to be very, very good. Cincinnati, those two fan bases were also very upset. And I had to go, I had to do the rounds and go on radio shows and cr- try to defend it. And it was funny because they were like, during the middle of the season, like, hey, man, we apologize. Can you come back on? We also had some circumstances. Denver fans were kind of upset with me as, as well, but they were like, you know what? You were totally right. We apologize. And then Denver finished strong, and they're like, you still sort of suck. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. And the Titan fans are in the same boat, too, because, you know, and, and there's a, there are a couple of people who made this prediction, like, we didn't feel the Titans were going to be very good. And with Marcus Mariota as their quarterback, we're like, they were two and four. And again, yeah. there were there were Titan fans being like, you know what? You were right. We apologize. And now they're over the top being like, oh, you're the biggest idiot ever. We may-. I'm like, you're nine and seven, bro. And <laughs> Nick Foles didn't play the most the majority of the year. Andrew Luck retired. 
Ben Roth, whatever. Like, I'm not trying to make excuses. And I think that one of the things that we did, one of the benefits of the 49ers being so good is that we were able to get out in front of it and, and just kind of talk through it. And everybody was like, what were you thinking? And that, that's the number one thing. And I go back to the State of the Franchise series that I did. For anybody who didn't think that I did research, I wrote 75,000 words on the upcoming NFL season doing a State of the Franchise for every single franchise. And when they ask you to go out and make these predictions, you know, if you watch it on Total Access or anything like that, and ESPN does this as well, they have a number of different people make predictions. That's so, you know, so if James Jones can say, you know, this team's going to win eight games and this team's going to win eight games and this team will win nine and this team will win 10. When you have a number of people doing that, then it doesn't have to even out because it's not one person doing it in its entirety. I went out there and did 256 all by myself, being completely <laughs> accountable. And I had written, when I had written about the 49ers, I said, this was a team that I felt could be, you know, around a 500 team. They could maybe exceed expectations. There were just a lot of questions that I had going into it. Number one, the quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, who had not played a large number of games coming into the season. He was coming off an ACL injury. In the three games that we saw him last year, he was not playing that well. He did play well against Kansas City, although that Kansas City defense wasn't playing very, very well themselves at that point of the season. But, you know, so there were some questions with him. There wasn't a number one wide receiver. Now, obviously, George Kettle is their number one pass catcher, but there wasn't a number one wide receiver. There was no Emmanuel Sanders. Debo is a rookie. So I had questions there. The pass rush had been an issue. Turning the ball over or creating turnovers had been an issue. They had four interceptions the previous year. And so, and none by a cornerback, two by, I think it was two li two by a linebacker and two by a safeties, if I remember this correctly. Yeah, so I thought there's a lot hard. of issues. There were, there were just a lot of issues. And then you go through and you start making predictions. And, you know, if I didn't have to have an accountability for it, I could have played it safe. And I would have been wrong. I would have been like seven wins, but... I know then in looking through the schedule, they're on the road at Tampa Bay. And I thought that Bruce Arians, who had had some success against San Francisco, I thought that was a good opportunity for the Buccaneers to get off the off the off the mat immediately. Obviously, you guys won by 14 because Jameis was being very generous. I believe I had <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had you beating the Cincinnati Bengals because I'm not a lunatic. Actually, I had the Bengals losing 11 consecutive games, which they did, and winning their first game against the Jets, and the Bengal fans were freaking out, mostly because I picked them to finish 3-13. and 13. They're like, no, 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 we need this number one pick. We need you to be wrong, but thankfully for them, <laughs> they finished 2-14. and 14. Week three, you guys had the Steelers, and I'm like, did not anticipate. I did this pick, these picks in June, so Ben Roethlisberger was still healthy at that point, so I missed out, obviously, a whiff on that one. You guys had the buy in week four. I was a big believer in Cleveland. That did not turn out very well. The Rams, not as good as I thought they were going to be. I'm pretty sure I had you beating Washington. But then I thought Carolina would be a lot better. They obviously had their struggles. <laughs> I think I got – I had you losing one of the Cardinal games. I'm assuming it would have been at Arizona in Week 9. Seattle, I think I would have had you losing but winning in Week 11. The Packers – losing because I'm an idiot. I don't know. I don't know why. I, would. I knew the Packers were going to be garbage. But I, when sometimes you go so out in front of your skis to be like, hey, man, I'm trying to be objective here, stupidly gave them. And by this point, I mean, the prediction's super wrong. And I totally 
did not. And I, the funny thing is, is I love Kyle Shanahan. I have loved Kyle Shanahan ever since he has been an assistant coach, no, mostly because I do fantasy football. So why would you not <laughs> love Kyle Shanahan and what he's able to do with running backs? And as a matter of fact, you could probably go dig out some of my old columns when the Bears hired John Fox. I'm like, why aren't they looking at Adam Gase, which that was not a great thing, but, or Kyle Shanahan. I'm like, I don't care how young he is. He's a Shanahan. Let's be realistic here. But, you know, so it, it kind of got out of control. But I think that I, I hope that I, I, I was trying to explain myself as well as possible, is trying to give you like, listen, I'm not trying to be a hater, anything like that. I just thought that once the season started snowballing a certain way, it would get out of control. And I thought, you know, Seattle was going to be very good, which they are. I thought the Rams would be a little bit better. And I think those were some of the missteps and uh, just being an idiot, I think also. So, plus, you know, that's your schedule down the stretch too. And I think, you know, if you look back, and if you go to week 12, and this is really where I felt like this could really careen out of control. If the Packers were as good as I thought they could have been, that could have been a disaster. Then you go on the road to play Baltimore and New Orleans. You split, which was amazing, but that was a recipe. You could have lost those games. And then I thought the Falcons were going to be very good this season. I think that they've had a lot of injuries. And obviously, you guys are better than the Falcons and better than the Falcons should have. I wish I should have, I wish I would have felt about you guys the way that I was feeling about the Falcons. But you had the Falcons in Week 15. You had the Rams in Week 16. And then Seattle, and if you guys are out of it by Weeks, you know, if you're out of it by Week 15, then you just see where it just kind of snowballs out of control. You kind of limp into the end of the season, which a lot of the – you see it. You see it happen all the time. So I think that's where it was. I I think that in going back and and looking at it in hindsight, it was overestimating how good the – that's the one like, ah, the Browns weren't really that good. Pittsburgh, you can kind of be like, eh, you know, Roethlisberger's out. But still, at the same point, like I don't want to make – I'm not making excuses. I was was wrong. This team came along much better than I thought they would. And, of course, Nick Bosa is also probably – probably. Nick Bosa is the defensive rookie of the year. And the – the impact that he's had. And that that really is the big thing. And it just shows you what the pass rush will do and how much it helps out your cornerbacks. So for anybody, and I know the Rams, you know, they put all that money out on Jalen Ramsey. It's like, bro, if you're not getting to the quarterback, Jalen Ramsey can't, can't cover somebody for eight seconds. So nope. you got to get to the quarterback. Ndamukong Sue was more important to you than Jalen Ramsey was. You probably should have kept him and maybe you'd be in the playoffs now. But you know what? <laughs> Lesson learned. You guys lost. And, uh, but so, you know, I've had to wear that prediction and it's been fun. And everybody, including George Kittle, has let me know about it. <laughs> George Kittle did come on, like, did tag me on Instagram. And we were able to have a little bit of a nice back and forth because he kind of knows who I am because of the wrestling angle. Mm-hmm. But but Richard Sherman wouldn't call me out by name. And I'm like, bro, I know you know who I am because you're a part of our Madden show. Just say my come on, bro. Like, it's cool. Like, it's cool. I'm an idiot. <laughs> But I kept my word too, and I said, you know what? I'm not, I'm not jumping on the bandwagon. And I know that other people have asked me. They said, are you, are you rooting against them? I'm like, there was no point rooting against you guys after week five because I was, I was wrong. Like I was so like, it, there's nothing. I'll admit, like I was kind of hoping the Titans because their fans are like obnoxious and like not cool about it. Like, God, like relax, people. Like. Take a take a lesson from the 49er fans who have had a good time with this. And 
But I go, why would I why would I root against the 49ers? I want it to be now it needs to be really bad. So I kind of want them to win. And I feel like, you know, if you guys win the Super Bowl, then I get to have some sort of credit. Maybe I'll get a ring. Maybe George Kittle will bring the trophy around and I'll get to take a photo with it. I don't know. I don't know what it will be, but it's but you guys have been cool about it. So I appreciate it. And uh, that's kind of what I was thinking. I don't know if I covered it all, but I hope I hope. And especially the people who show up now and it's like January and they're like, bro, when are you going to answer to this? I'm like, I've been answering to this since September. Like this yeah. is you're going to walk up and you're like, hey, have you heard there's a new Star Wars movie? You're like, Yeah, I'm aware. I've seen it a couple of times already. Like, come on now. Yeah, you've you've owned it all year. And I was I, you know, I watched the show when you did that. And I was like, what is he talking about? And uh, so two things real quick, you know, with your prediction, do you think it inspired any type of. <laughs> uh, anything inside of the 49ers locker room and then you know what has been the most surprising thing about this this team so far um you know going complete opposite of your prediction at 13 and 3 you know i i mean i'm i i jokingly say that i inspired them i i don't i don't think that i don't think that they really care that much about it i think it's funny that they see it after the fact they're like this guy is a dummy which is fine and which is fair and so I, it's fun and I think it's cool, you know, and it's always something like you guys never, but I, I, I at least will give them that. So whenever they're on the field saying nobody believed in us, they're like, well, here is a person who absolutely did not believe in you. So there is tangible, like when the Patriots do it, it's like, who doesn't believe in the Patriots? Like everybody gives you the benefit of the doubt. Like, how are you always playing the, un like, nobody's doubting you. You're fine. Uh, but somebody did doubt them. And really, you know, it's weird because Joey Bosa has been so good for the Chargers that we should have realized that his brother was going to be just as impactful. And that was probably, and you know, a couple of the signings that they made defensively. That should, you know, and just the way everything is, is come together. And then any, any opportunity there was for things to go sideways, those were all erased. That game against the Steelers, even with Mason Rudolph as the starting quarterback, Still able to bounce back and battle through a little bit of adversity, steal the win there. That's that's when you start to realize, like, oh, geez, this is this is a pretty good team. And the Rams game, they drove right down the field. Bobby Woods scores right off the bat to go up seven nothing. You're like, oh wow, maybe you know this is their first real test. Maybe this is going to be a chance. Answered that call right away. The game in Washington, easy trap game, horrible weather. And nine to nothing is not a, a a game that you would expect to win, or, or not a not one that you're going to put in the highlight videos. But I think shows again not falling for those traps, and I think that is one of the things that has been most impressive about this team is that they just don't fall for trap games. And anytime there was an opportunity to go out there and lose lose one, you lose in week ten the Seattle Seahawks. Well, George Kittle wasn't playing and nobody's mm -hmm. making excuses for that, but yeah, that kind of matters. Like he is one of the best players. And I know every team has injuries, but Kittle is a is a pretty big one. And then, and this is the thing that that is incredible to me is that the pack I don't know how. I mean, I know how the system works, but the Packers are the 2 seed, and that is the most staggering thing to me. It's like that how would how is Matt LaFleur going to convince his team to get on a plane to go to Santa Clara to play the 49ers <laughs> potentially in an NFC championship game. And we did our picks. 
uh, for Sky Sports. And for whatever reason, I'm like, now nah, the Packers are going to end up winning that game because it's Lambeau Field and it's Drew Brees out in the cold. And one thing that you can do in the playoffs is that you can always shut down one player. They always seem to find a way. And if the Packers can take away Michael Thomas, even with Alvin Kamara, they can escape. And then I'm like, you know what? I don't think the Packers want to go to the Bay. I, I, don't, I don't think they want to win that game. Like, they're going to be like, yeah, it's cool. Like, we got to the playoffs. You know, Aaron Rodgers is probably good. You got a couple extra endorsements out of it or whatever. I don't think they want to go. But it's it's that one. That was that was really one, too, where I'm like, God, I go. I remember thinking of this from a fantasy perspective. I'm like, well, you know, the one thing that the 49ers do really well defensively is they they get pressure on the quarterback. They create turnovers. And Rodgers doesn't get sacked and he doesn't turn the ball over. So if there's a quarterback who should be able to have some success, especially with his ability to, well, he, he hasn't ran that much. He hasn't run that much this year. So it's kind of weird, but he should be somebody who can, he's got some escape ability, but ugh, he looked awful. And I, I love the Packer fans running their mouths. I'm like, bro, you're not going to be in the playoffs long. Like you're, you'll outlast <laughs> Minnesota, but they're fraudulent too. Man, that bothers me. I know the Bears weren't great this year, but it's like, damn it, there's a couple of games they could have won. As bad as the Bears were, they were eight and eight. Like that season, it felt like a four and 12 season. And you're like, damn, they it won did. eight games. Like, what is happening? Like, maybe Matt Nagy is not, not terrible, but Bears fans are inconsolable. So, what are you going to do? But yeah, so I, I think that the way that the D, I mean, they put a lot of resources in defense, but. I thought to me that was one of the keys in getting that going. And it it's impressive how much one player has had that ripple effect over everybody and just all the way down and how much havoc Nick Bosa has created and, and everything that's going on. And so that that to me, it, man, if I that's the one thing that I keep kicking myself is if, you know, if I if I just would have just would have had the common sense to be like, God, Joey Bosa. Because he gets he gets kind of buried in Los Angeles. Because I see him and I know that he's an exceptional player, and how and I'm like, oh, if I would have just keyed in on that, I would have been I wouldn't have I wouldn't have had as much fun with you guys this season. But I wish I would have seen that coming. Yeah, it, look, we're not we're the first ones to say that we tried to talk ourselves out of Nick Bosa this offseason. We tried to. You know, the Fort Anderson there too. You know, Kyler Murray's going one. Javi and I are just thinking around. Like, okay, they can trade out and they can get Brian Burns and they can get more picks, or they can go Quinn and Williams and get they can fleece the Raiders. Try to talk ourselves out of Nick Bosa. And he's been the absolute defensive rookie of the year. It's not even close. It's a landslide. I don't care what you say about anyone else. But you brought up the fantasy perspective. And something I gotta know. How frustrating is it to predict fantasy studs and duds? out of Shanahan's offense, because it seems like every week you don't know who's going to get the ball and who's going to have a monster game, especially at the running back position. So as a fantasy guy, how frustrating is it to try and predict Shanahan's offense on a weekly basis? I don't want to be the person that says this because it's like, okay, yeah, whatever. But I, I honest to God, coined the phrase Shanahanigans when his dad was coaching (laughs) because it, it is just so screwy with the running backs. And I know a lot of people will look at the New England Patriots and say, oh, it's so hard to figure. You're like, actually, no, that one's really easy to figure. Once James Devlin went down, then you knew that Sony Michelle was not going to be a, a top flight fantasy running back this season, especially when they also lost 
Rob Gronkowski to retirement. The frustrating thing, though, with Kyle Shanahan and the offense is that you know the running backs are going to be good, but it's hard to really calculate who is going to be the guy who goes off. Because if you think of the game where Tevin Coleman had all those touchdowns against the Carolina Panthers, he had 11 touches and scored, what was it, four touchdowns? Four. Four touchdowns. It's insane. (laughs) And if you go into a game, if I was breaking down a game, and you're like, well, Tevin Coleman's going to have around 11 touches against a defense that is pretty good against the run, you're not going to want to start that player. And then there it is. But it's, it's really tough. But you did start to kind of pick up on some of the tendencies. We saw Mostert getting a lot of the opportunities toward at the goal line. So that's the kind of thing that you got to look for. You're like, you realize that everybody is going to get an opportunity in that offense. I'm going to start looking for the guy who is going to get the goal line touches. And pretty much it, it ended up being Mostert a lot of the time. And so that was the guy that I was, I was rolling with towards the end of the season. Now in week 15, I don't think that he had the best game. Because that's I ended up losing to the fantasy footballers because he had like he had an okay game. I think he did score a touchdown, but he didn't yeah. have the monster game that I needed. Right. So it can be frustrating, but the league's kind of working itself into being more running back by committees. We don't see those bell cow running backs like we did with Ricky Waters back in the day and Emmett, Barry, and all those guys when we were little kids. So, you know, it's frustrating, but I think you can sort of figure it out. And I'm not saying that I've cracked the code, but you just pick the goal line back and then hope for the best and realize you can never start Tevin Coleman. And if you had him during after that Panthers game, I hope you traded him immediately. <laughs> oh, oh, man, I, I tried to trade for him in one league and some guy shot me down and I've never been happier about that. I went on to win that league and I don't I, ooh, man. I don't know what I would have done if I if I'd given up uh, what I wanted to give up for Tevin Coleman. Um, but Adam, you know, we appreciate you coming on. So two last two questions we got for you. Okay. Clown emojis. What's yeah. the over under on the amount you were sent from 49ers fans over the course of this year? Millions. Like it is. <laughs> it's so good. And, it, and it's funny, too, because, you know, you see it all this, and it's. Sometimes it's so out of left field with something else that you don't you don't expect it to be where you, you post something like it's OK. Like, hey, you know what? If I put up like if you go on my Instagram page right now and I've got my picks for the weekend clown emoji, this guy thought the 49ers was going to be three and 13. <laughs> I got it. You're you're well within your rights to, to do that. But if there is a photo of my children I would prefer that you didn't put a clown emoji on that one. It hasn't happened more than once. So that's good. And it wasn't a 49ers fan. It was a Titan fan. So you guys, you guys are cool. Like nobody. Yeah. I I know that there's still some people They're They're still doing it and it's fine. And it's, it's fun. I mean, like I would do the same thing. Like when I was a kid growing up, like you don't think that I hated sports writers. Hell, like I don't, who is that? Whoever the ESPN writer is their baseball writer is maybe it's Pas- Jeff Passan passing or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like he, mm-hmm. he said, he said that he didn't have Mike Trout as the MVP and I'm like blocked. Like I do. <laughs> like I'm, I'm the same way. So I cannot legitimately get upset with somebody. I was trying to think too, there was somebody else who responded to some like completely. Oh my gosh. I wish I could remember where it was. Cause I, I was legitimately like thrown off. It was a, 
it might have been a photo of my two kids with cutler jerseys you couldn't see their face or something and it was just you know hey you know what happy new year type of thing and some guy was like i can't believe that you thought that i'm like hey man like look any other post you can bring this up but i think it's inappropriate oh you know what it was no if you go on my facebook page uh, my public facebook page there's two of them for some reason. I answer the one with the Randy Macho Man Savage emoji. I don't know why there's two. I think it's something to do with my Instagram. But there's a there's a story that I wrote about my interactions with Pat Tillman. And some guy was like, hey, clown, the Titans won more games than you. I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, I get that. But like, this is probably not the post to do that on. This is like a remembrance. It's a pinned Jesus. post that was there. That's been there for five years. He's like, Hey, I paid my respects five years ago. I'm allowed to like you would think like most rational human beings would be like, you're right. I I I didn't recognize this. Like my fault. He he actually just dug in and and went even harder. And I'm like, that is where I'm gonna have to say no more of that. Like I'm I'm gonna have to. I don't like blocking people. I'm gonna have to block you and try because that's 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 a little far. Like every the majority of people are having a good. A, a good laugh at it as they should. And the people, and also too, the people who are like, how do you still have a job? It's because you continue to come back and give me engagements. You made a bad pick. Like it happens to everybody. They're like, they really hate, like they're so excited to do another, like another follow-up video. They're excited to already do the predictions next year. There's talk of it being a bigger NFL Network special. So, you know, it's been cool. And, it, it's, got, and it's not like what I set out to do. Like, I I didn't want to be like a hot, because like, sometimes when people do this, they're, they're too cautious. They're like, oh, I don't want to go one way or the other. I'm like, F it. Like, I'm going to call it like I see it. And if I'm wrong, I'm happy to wear it. And I think as long as you're transparent with people, and I explain it to them, and I say, this is why I think this happened. And with the 49er fans, you're like, hey, here are my big key issues, blah, blah, blah. We went through the schedule uh, earlier in the show, and I'm like, this is where I thought you guys would kind of veer off the path. Everybody's like, okay, I get it. That's You're wrong, obviously, but understand where you're coming from. You tried to do that with like the Titan fans, and they're like, nope, you're an idiot. Like, How did you not think that Ryan Tannehill was going to be the second coming of Steve Young? You're like, yeah, you're <laughs> right, because he showed it in Miami. Like, come on. Like, oh man. Like, like, they're like, how do you not own this? And I'm like, no, guys, like, seriously, like, this is, yeah, I, I obviously, you're better than I thought you were going to be. But it's hard to fathom that a lot of people were buying into Arthur Smith and Ryan Tannehill at the beginning of the season, even though they, even though they would like to claim it now. So, so I do see a lot of the clown emojis and I, they're still coming in and still keeping them going. And I anticipate you guys going all the way to the Super Bowl. I did do picks for the Super Bowl and I felt I have you guys going to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. And I thought about George Kittle and Richard Sherman, two of my favorite players in the NFL. And I said, you know what? Out of deference and respect, I have to pick the Chiefs to win because I don't want to be the I don't want it not to work out your way and then to become the villain that way. Be like, look, I didn't pick you to win the Super Bowl, so don't get mad at me if it doesn't work out as as you would want it to. I'm rooting for you, but it's not smart. 
you know what? Yeah, I just couldn't do. I couldn't be the bandwagon guy. I go, I'll jinx the Chiefs. Like I don't care. I have no allegiance to them. So I didn't want to oh, d- put that on the Ravens fans either. So I'm like, I'll take the Chiefs. That's the easy. No, I actually do believe the Chiefs will end up beating the Ravens. But that's that's another pod for another day. Yeah. Uh, real quick, who who's your uh, four win four winners this weekend? Then you got uh, Philly and Seattle. You know what? Um, Is it crazy Tennessee, to see th- Patriots? Is it crazy to think that Philadelphia is going to win that game against Seattle? Like, no, you it's like, not. Like all the close games that Seattle played, and I think that coming so close, coming a yard short of of having a of winning the NFC West and hosting, playing host to a playoff game, it's still stupid that the Packers are the two seed. I'm so glad they're not the one seed. But <laughs> Me too. Losing, losing that close game in that kind of dramatic fact, I, I think that kind of stuff hurts. I think that kind of stuff lingers. And I think that Philadelphia has been in this position previously where they're the underdogs or the underdogs at home. Not a lot of people are giving them credit, but Miles Sanders is ready to go. I think the strength of their defense is stopping the run. Miles Sanders has more rushing yards this year than the entire active Seahawks running backs combined this season. I think that they'll be able to, to, to slow them down enough and, and, and eke out a win. So I like the Eagles. I like the Saints because I think that the, the Vikings are frauds. Kirk Cousins, his passer rating from September through November, I think, was 119 or something ridiculous. Like, really nice. But since December, it's around 88 point something. They haven't been playing well. Dalvin Cook missed the last two weeks has gone five games without rushing for 100 yards. The Saints have not given up a 100-yard rusher in 42 consecutive weeks, including the playoffs. So I think wow. the Saints take that one. I, For whatever reason, I don't know why, the Texans and Bills are like the same team to me, so it doesn't really matter. The team that wears red and blue is going to advance, but it's hard to I do kind of believe in... The Texans, Deshaun Watson is actually pretty good against top five defenses. 4-0, I believe, is his record. So I give them a slight edge there. I do think that the Titans will upset the Patriots. Ryan Tannehill has four wins against Tom Brady. That's the most of any quarterback other than Peyton Manning, which is surprising. He's four and six against them all time. But you know what? The 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 Patriots have struggled stopping the run. And I think that as well as Derrick Henry, the NFL's leading rusher, as well as he's played, that play action that they set up with it, because A.J. Brown has well over 600, no, 646 receiving yards off of play action, which is 100 yards more than the next closest guy. So I think they'll be able to play action them pretty well, get some big plays. So I anticipate the Titans winning, and then I'm going to have to hear it from them for another week. <laughs> But how stupid I was. So I got them going. And yeah, so that's why I got winning this week. And I don't know. I don't know if you had other questions. Can I say one other thing? Yeah, go real ahead. quick, real quick, real quick. Houston or I, Buffalo? I'm what am I? Oh, I'm saying Houston. Yeah. Okay. Houston because Deshaun Watson gives them an edge. I do okay. want to say one other thing, though, before I go. When I look at the 2020 Hall of Fame class, I said the three automatic locks to me of seeing the 25 guys who are available, you're like, Palomalu is going to get in, Atwater should get in, and Patrick Willis is yes. my automatic. Yes. 
What a joke yes. that he's not a finalist. Mm. Unbelievable. What are, what? He was the most dominant guy. Was it? How many years did he play? Nine? Eight, eight pro- years. Eight years. So eight Pro Bowls, five All Pros, two second team All Pros, if I'm not mistaken. If I have that wrong, you'll probably clown emoji me to death. But <laughs> he's pretty dominant. Like he stands out as one of the three. Like Atwater to me is more of a special case just because of that hit that he put on a Koye in a 1990 Monday night football game. But when I saw Palomalu and and Willis were the two guys who were first-year play, I'm like, those are the two locks right there. Who else is getting in? It's a joke that he's not in. It's a joke. Yeah, I, look, I don't know if you're sucking up to 49ers faithful. I absolutely agree. I went on a rant on about it yesterday. I were debating on whether I was going to go on a rant on about later on after, after we wrap up here. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. But, hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Adam Rank. He's coming on. He ate his crow. He faced the music. I know I've been leading the charge to kind of leave you alone all year because after I heard you on KNBR, I think it was KNBR. Yeah, uh, it after was. they beat the Browns. After they beat the Browns and they went to 4-0. I think that's when you accepted that you were incorrect, accepted that oh, yeah. you were wrong, and I, I, I called the dogs off. I did what I could for you. You're the man. No, everybody was cool. Like, it was a lot of fun. Nobody's been, nobody's been super rude. Nobody's said mean things about my family. So we're all cool as far as I'm concerned. And uh, football's fun, so... Yeah, it is. That's cool, and I, I really do wish you guys good luck. And I literally am pulling for you because, again, I'm never going to not be wrong, so why would I why would I be petty now? So I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. <laughs> hey, Adam, tell the people how they can find you on the Twitter machine, on your Instagram, on your Facebook, wherever it is. How, how can the people see, see your work? Well, now I'm sure everybody's already left. They're like, why is this guy still talking? But anyway, <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Adam Rank, on Instagram, at Adam Rank NFL. And there's a Facebook page. I just that, liked it. It's just type in Adam Rank. You'll be fine. You'll find it. And it's the one with the Macho Man little yep. caricature. <laughs> the other one, I don't know where the other one came from. I think it might even be a fake account. Who knows? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how you get me. Or YouTube.com slash Adam Rank NFL. Any way you want me to annoy you, I'm available to you. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, no, Adam, that was great, man. We appreciate appreciate all your work and uh, everything at NFL Network. We I tune in. Even though you were wrong at the end of the year, I still tune in. <laughs> <laughs> and I left you alone after the week four game, too. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to leave. That's it. No more. Um, and 49 fans, we're pretty understanding. We're pretty, most of us are pretty smart about what we're doing and uh, not being disrespectful to people. Um, but yeah, Adam, we appreciate you coming on again. This is the Fourth and Gold podcast. Thank you. All right. We want to thank Adam Rank once again for joining us uh, on this episode um the Niners they did the complete opposite they went 13 and 3 Mm -hmm. um there was a lot of doubters there was a lot of folks who had questions I know you and I had some questions about this teams you know we had the whole episode about ifs if this happens if this doesn't happen um and they've exceeded our expectations as well you know I know both of us were in that 10 to 6 maybe 11 5 9 7 anywhere between 9 and 7, 11 and 5 range for mm-hmm. this team. And I think that was fair then, and I think it's still fair now considering how the season played out with the injuries and things like that. And Niners, they showed up when they needed to, and they won those early on early games, well, eight early games, and uh, um, made it very much a uh, heart attack the rest of the way <laughs> because of injuries. Um, 
it, it's it's been a hell of a season, man. Um, the, we for us and for the team. Uh, for those of you out there who ordered your T-shirts, I will be shipping those things out tomorrow on the first run. The first 73 orders that we took, they will be shipped out tomorrow. And then the second 50 um, that I'm we are doing will be uh, printed and then sent out later on this week. So that's that's a plus there. We thank everybody for their purchase and everybody for riding with us and sticking with us throughout the whole season. Um, but Matt, man, what do you what do you what do you think about this 13 and three year? I mean, I think we've said it all, dude. I think we've said it all. This has been the ideal year that we didn't think we were going to get. Um, you know, yeah. with, by all all respects, I mean they're like what nine total seconds away from sixteen and zero. <laughs> when you look at they, they <laughs> lost on the last play of three different games, they're like nine seconds away from being sixteen and zero. I mean, this team is really they put it together. They've been, they've fought through injuries. They've fought through everything. Um, so now I think is a good time to sort of reflect here on 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 the last year, and we're going to talk about some regular season awards across yeah. the board. So do you want to kick it off, or do you want me to start? You get you kick it off, man. This was this was your great idea, so I'll let you take the lead on this one, Buzz. All right. So so we're gonna run through. So we're gonna run through MVP, offensive player, defensive player, rookie of the year, underrated, and then most disappointing. Um, I did this on Twitter, so if you, if you saw my Twitter account a while ago, you might have seen this already. Um, some slight changes. Had a little time to reflect even more, and and I made I made some updates. Uh, I'm gonna start with MVP, and the MVP yeah. to me is George Kittle. I don't think it's very close. Uh, I know you can say that guys on the defense, other guys on the offense, Jimmy G had a great year, all that stuff. But personally, to me, the whole team just looked different when George Kittle was on the field. Now, he's one of the only super major key players to miss time. D Ford's missed some time, um, but we haven't seen anyone else of uh, a huge prominence miss time this year. They, you know, not knock on wood on that one. And yeah, but but George Kittle when he was out, it was a very different football team. We we saw it in the run game, sure. we saw it in the passing game. We we know he's you know we know he's wide receiver one for the 49ers, even though he's a tight end. We know he's the best blocking tight end. I mean, he's a first team All Pro. He's the best tight end in football, and the tight end is becoming such an important position. It's such a key pivotal position in Shanahan's offense. Uh, Kittle to me, just he 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 built on last year. The stats don't match up. They don't. They don't match up with what he did last year, but I think he was more important to the team this year than he was last year because I think directly he led to a lot of wins in this year's in this year's season. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's hard to disagree with George Kittle, and it's not really so much that I'm disagreeing with you. It's more um, so that I'm going to go with the guy that, you know, the, the team rallied around um, when he got here originally via trade, and now the Niners are 13-3, and three, and the large part is because you have competent quarterback play, and, and you need a quarterback for this, this offense to function. I know we had all those discussions in the preseason about Nick Mullins and, and C.J. Bessard and et cetera. You know, those discussions should have never happened, to be quite honest, but they did, and Jimmy Garoppolo has shut up a lot of doubters. Um, 3,978 yards, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, a completion percentage of 69.1. Um, I thought Jimmy was the MVP of the team this year, but it, you know, you can go either way with Jimmy or George. Um, it's just the NFL, you, you need a quarterback to, to compete. And when you Niners lost their quarterback last year in that week three game, the season was pretty much over. And I think we, we knew that from the front office and from, from the fan base, the minute Jimmy went out in that 
Kansas City game, we knew the season was done. And and having a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo on this team who can win, who's got this clutch gene about him, this it factor, um, he doesn't get rattled, he doesn't flinch. Uh, that's key for this this 49ers franchise going forward. And you know, to be 13 and three this year, um, 18 and what is he? 18 and four, 18 and yeah, 18 and 18 and five as a Niner, 19 and five as a Niner. Excuse me. Um, you know, that's that's huge and. You're getting everything that you wanted from. Yes, there's some things that you'd want from him to be better, but um, I don't know if there's anything else we can ask from this guy as far as what he's done for this franchise and hopefully what he will do in the playoffs. So I'm I'm going with Jimmy on this one. You know, you know, it, again, you said it's hard to disagree with George. It's hard to disagree with Jimmy. That's why he yeah. Jimmy's my offensive player of the year because I think it, I think it's. It's boring to have your MVP be your offensive player of the year. You can't do it. It's boring to have your MVP be your defensive player. You can't do it. It's going to be different players. And Jimmy is my offensive player of the year. He played all 16 games. He had some shaky starts. He had some incredible starts. And he put up a start in Week 17 on the road in Seattle, the best quarterback performance we've seen in Seattle since ever. A long time ago. Since ever, maybe. Because Seattle used to be in the AFC. I'm sure Seattle fans don't know that. But Seattle used to be in the AFC, so the 49ers and Seattle didn't play very often. I think it's the best yeah. we've seen a quarterback go up there and play 18-22, 285 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But the touchdowns is, hey, look, touchdowns are an overrated stat for quarterbacks. Overrated stat. Because, look, he drove the team right down the field. And, and his threat yeah. is, is what directly led to, a, to all the touchdowns, you know? Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah. Offensive Player of the Year. I think he played a fantastic year. Um, you know, I said today in my bold predictions for 2020, I think he has a chance to win the MVP. I think he will win the MVP because I think he is that level of talent. And, and we saw it as the year went on. As he got more comfortable in Shanahan's system. Every time, every week, just a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more comfortable. Uh, his his wide receivers started to get healthy. George Kittle came back. You know, Raheem Mostert started to go off. Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. can be that guy. He is the franchise quarterback. He is worth what they paid him. And when you look at what someone like Jared Goff is getting paid, Jimmy Garoppolo is worth every penny. Yeah, no, definitely on on Jimmy. You know, I, I can't disagree with you there. And that's, you know, I'm going opposite. I'm going George Kittle as the offensive player of this team. Um, what George does in the run game as far as a, a run blocker, um, what he does in pass protection, he had a great pass. He had a great block against the Seahawks this week. He took on two guys, not like on purpose, but he ended up getting in the way of somebody else and blocking him away from Jimmy out of Jimmy's face. And he, you know, he gives you that effect there. And then of course, uh, the threat that he provides on the field in the pass game, vertical pass threat. He can be your move. You know, he can be your possession receiver. He can be the guy who moves the change. But then if you know you get him in the open field, there's not many people that can catch him. You know, he's mm-hmm. at full speed after his third or fourth step, and he's a 4-5 guy. And um, for those folks who don't know, you know, he had similar combine numbers to O.J. Howard. And, you know, it's not always about where you are drafted. It's just about, you know, the type of player that you are and what you're wanting to get out of your, you know, career. And George has taken full advantage of his fifth-round selection and is in the perfect offense, I think, for his skill set, um, especially with a coach who likes to run the ball the way Kyle Shanahan likes to run the ball you know it allows for Kittle to sell his run blocking and then just come out as a, as a pat as a receiver in a lot of his sets so 85 receptions 1053 yards five TDs what was it four three or four of them were called back for dumb penalties yeah. so you know yeah. hopefully George gets into the double digits of touchdowns that'd be great next year um, but he's matched his TD totals from last year 
um, you know, back-to-back thousand-yard season. It hasn't happened um, since Anquan Bolden. Um, the other two guys were Jerry Rice and Terrell Owens, I believe it was, for back-to-back mm-hmm. thousand-yard years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Kittle has, has cemented himself as, you know, a guy who can, um, you know, maybe potentially be a guy that they, they retire number four or put his number in the rafters or, you know, he, he's on pace for a uh, Hall of Fame level career, and I'm I'm pretty confident in saying that. Yeah, a little ahead of yourself. Look, I think Kittle's nope. been great. We just had that discussion with Adam about about Patrick Wills, and we don't think you know some people think Patrick Wills hasn't played long enough. So fingers crossed, knock on all the wood that Kittle plays he's on all, pace. all all 18 years of his pace. career in San Francisco. Um, Look at 85, pace. man. I think it's gonna end up being joint retire between Vernon Davis and George Kittle. I think that would be awesome. Just retired for both of them, put them right next to each other, have them both out on the field because I think they were both those kind of impact tight ends. Um, but let's move it on. Let's move it on from the offense. We talked we talked a lot about the <laughs> offense. Let's get to what a lot of people thought was the bread and butter of this 49ers team, and that's the defense. So why don't you let me know, yeah. who's, who's your defensive player of the year? Uh, my defensive player of the year was Fred Warner. Um, I thought, you know, going into the year, I thought Fred was an underrated part of this defense. Um, I thought Fred Warner was an underrated linebacker, and he has lived up to everything that I thought he would be um, as far as, you know, improving in the pass game, improving in run defense, improving pretty much as a leader, vocal leader, um, being the guy who makes all the calls, being where he needs to be at all times. He got his interception, his pick six uh, late in the year. Um, What Fred provides on the defense is, is, is invaluable because he... He's the quarterback of the defense. He's, you know, he's making the checks. He's making the calls. Um, he is relaying the communication to the defensive line and then the guys behind him and around him. Um, Fred has been everything you want in a linebacker. I have an issue with his uh, all-pro snub. I don't understand how T.J. Watt gets a linebacker votes as an edge rusher. That doesn't make sense. Um, whoever does these all-pro votes, they need to come out and explain how this is done. But that's... Uh, Fred Warner not being on the second uh, All Pro second team is is a catastrophe. It's it's a travesty that he's not there. Um, but Fred as a defensive player of the year for me uh, on this on this team. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I think it's Fred Warner. I think he's linebacker one in the NFL. Uh, I think Bobby Warner yeah. or Bobby excuse me Bobby Warner Bobby Wagner did not deserve to be first team All Pro. He did not. I think that was Warner's spot. I think Warner proven all year that he had been that good of a player that high of a level he did it when his running mate went down in week eight week nine excuse me week nine against uh, game eight against cardinals he proved he can do it he he, he proved that he is a, a just as capable as a as a pass coverage linebacker as he is stuffing a run or blitzing he ended up with three sacks one interception a touchdown um over 100 over 100 tackles uh for the second straight year he's leading the team in tackles Look, Fred Warner, linebacker one. I've been saying it for weeks now. I can't, I can't go back on it. I won't go back on it. Refuse to go <laughs> back on it because he is that guy. He is, he is linebacker one. Um, but since we both said Warner, I'm gonna do a little honorable mention here, so we have a little bit of, a little bit of a change. Yeah. Big time honorable mention goes to second team All Pro Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman, yeah. who is on a war path right now with Pro Football Talk. <laughs> He's trying to take Florio down, and I love it. I love it. Florio slanders Florio. everyone. He slanders everyone. As soon as he starts to get any kind of muck thrown his way, he threatens a lawsuit. Richard Sherman, Unc, I don't know if you're listening. If you are listening, do your thing, man. We love it. We absolutely love it. Take him down. But Unc has played incredible all year. Incredible all year. 
three interceptions. He had a touchdown against the Bucs in week one. Look, week 17, they didn't even try and throw it his way. No. Completely Not shut down his side. Not once. He's been like that all year. You know, Emmanuel Mosley and Keller Weatherspoon have been rotating in and out depending on who's healthy and who's hot and who's playing well. But the one, con- the one constant throughout the entire secondary, with the exception of one guy who I'll get to later, has been Richard Sherman. And he has lived up to every bit of the player that we thought we were getting when the 49ers signed him. Every bit of it. Richard Sherman, fantastic year. Just just, just a hair, just a hair behind Fred Warner for my defensive player of the year. Yeah, no, I mean, Sherman is, you can't go wrong with Sherman either. It's, it's, this whole, the whole team, man, they, they've all done their part. They've all, you know, stood together. Um, Let's get to these rookies, man. What do you, what do you, where are you at on the rookies? <laughs> Nick Bosa. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's Nick Bosa. We heard, we heard Adam Rank go on and on and on and on about it because you ask Adam a question, he's going to run with it. And, and, and thank goodness because, man, that is just quality stuff. Listen to Adam go. Um, but he went on and on. Look, Nick Bosa can do it. He is, a, he, he may not, he may have dropped off in the stat sheet in the second half of the year. May have dropped off a little bit. He's still not getting sacks at the same rate. He ended the season yeah. with more pressures than any other rookie has ended their season with since PFF has been doing this. I think it's in 2006. Nick Bosa can play. I said when we were talking about Adam, me and you, we for some reason we tried to talk ourselves out of Nick Bosa, right? Mm-hmm. We said Quinn Williams. We said trade back. I, I think we were just kind of trying to spice it up a little bit, but at the same time, I was like, eh, maybe Quinn Williams wouldn't be bad. Nick Bosa was the best rookie <laughs> this year. Nick Bosa was the best rookie this year. I don't think it was close. He handled double teams well. He fought through. He fought through blocks. He everyone said he stay, he stays on the ground too much. And early on in the season, you saw that a little bit. He gets knocked down yeah. to the ground. He's by the end of the season, he found the counter to be knocked down to the ground. He knew how to get his happy ass right back up and get after the quarterback. Loved watching Nick Bosa play. I think the 49ers have an All Pro for years to come. With Nick Bosa, I think he is that high level of a player. I think he's absolutely the best player in this draft. Nick Bosa, my rookie of the year. Uh, yeah, it's uh, hard to disagree there, and I'm not going to. So that's you know your offensive def- the defensive rookie of the year is definitely going to be Nick Bosa. Honorable mention will be Dre Greenlaw for what he's done in in mm-hmm. in in place of uh, Quan. But I'm going to go the offensive side here. I thought Debo Samuel's came on big time after the Seattle game. Um, you know, granted he had a few key drops, but he did have eight eight receptions for 112 yards in that in that loss to Seattle. And you saw him, you know, kind of keep stepping it up every week. You know, 134 the following week, and then he started going off in these other games. You know, he had um, a big game against the Saints, big game against you know not not stat wise not a huge game, um, you know, against the Rams and the Falcons, but then another big game against the Seahawks. Um, Debo came on strong at the end of the year, 300 yard receiving games, uh, 802 receiving yards, three touchdowns, 57 receptions. Um, you know, that's, he broke Jerry Rice's record, uh, for rookie, uh, receiving yards. So, you know, he's on his way. Hopefully, you know, we, you talked about it last pod. If Debo can be what we expected Pettis to be, that would be great going forward. And I think, um, you see that Kyle Shannon has this thing about he wants a physical team. You know, a lot of there's a lot of talk when he came in about how he may just be like a finesse coach and things like that. But he wants a physical receiver. He wants a physical team from Kittle to his offensive line to his receivers making blocks downfield in the run game. Debo has been all that, and Debo doesn't go down on first contact, and that's a plus there. 
Um, but yeah, I'm going with Debo as the offensive rookie of the year for us. And um, you know, you can't go wrong with either one. You know, your first and second round pick, um, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan hit it out of the park with those two guys, and they actually had a really good draft class as well. So um, I'm going with Debo on this one. Yeah, this rookie, this rookie draft class is a grand slam. Right, you're looking at yeah. all these guys pretty much from top to bottom are contributing in some way or another. Yeah, and, and it's just a testament to to the homework they're putting in, and I think they 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 really really benefited from coaching the Senior Bowl this year. And there's a lot of teams that go down and coach the Senior Bowl, and, and you know they get their hands on these players and they get to, to to run a practice with them, multiple practices with them. You get to run with both sides of the squad, right? Because a couple days they switch over, just so all the coaches can talk to these guys. I think they maximized their time down in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. And and it shows. I think when you look at this class, it's just exactly what you want. Like I mean, we've said it before on this pod that after the senior bowl, Debo felt like a foregone conclusion. After you heard the way Shanahan talked about him, it was done. Debo, yeah. second round pick. I know, again, we tried to spice it up on here for, for when we had Zach Pratt on and Zach Pratt goes goes absolutely bored and he nails it. <laughs> Bosa Debo, he nails it. Me and you are like pulling trades out of our ass and going all sorts of crazy ways. But no, it, it was Bosa, it was Debo, and those are the two smartest picks they could have made at those two selections. I don't think it's yeah. close. I don't think it's and close. Then, um, you know, and then with the draft class, you know, there's two guys we haven't seen yet: Tim Harris, and then Jalen Hurd. And then you can, I guess, you can give him credit for Caden Smith, and he actually played pretty well um, for the Giants this year. I kind of yeah. wanted to keep him, but. That's what happens when you keep three quarterbacks on the roster. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe, hopefully next year we'll see Tim Harris. Oh, and, you know, another honorable mention, Justin School. He filled in admirably um, mm. while the tackles were down uh, during the big part of the season. Um, you know, it was a good draft class for those. You know, even Mitch Wisnowski's done his fair share. Um, <laughs> as long as it's not kicking the ball out of bounds, I mean, we're cool. We're cool. <laughs> exactly. Um, um, so so we've done our rookie one, year. We've done a rookie yeah. of the year now, so let's move into the underrated. You want to take yeah, this one? Under- you want me to go? Uh, I'll take this one. Underrated right. is, is, is Brunskill, Boom. by far. Um, Brunskill, seven starts for the Niners. He came up humongous um, for the Niners. You know, the, Joe Staley goes down um, against the against the um, the Bengals, and then uh, McGlinchey goes down against Cleveland, and now we're been on both tackles. So for for Brunskill to come in, the Rams game, the Redskins games, the Carolina game, and then the Cardinals game, um, he filled in 100% of the snaps for those four games in a row. Um, he didn't, I don't believe he allowed a sack in any of those games. Um, I, I have to look at all those numbers, but he, he played solid football all the way through. And then he comes in in the Green Bay game after Justin School, who's pretty banged up, plays 58% of snaps, 28 snaps in that game, and... Basically, Stonewalls, Preston Smith, and Zadarius Smith the rest of the game. Um, and then goes plays against Baltimore, um, where I thought he had another really good game. Wasn't you know It was a tough game because of the weather. Um, then plays again against the Rams, but this time at guard. Um, he was doing fairly well in the first half. Had a little bit of trouble in the second half. And then again, uh, Week 17 against Seattle at guard, again, filling in for person. So he's filled in across the offensive line, left tackle, right tackle, and the right guard position, I thought, you know, he's probably one of the most underrated parts of this team, um, and he doesn't get enough credit for it um, via, you know, whatever social platform you're on or whatever it is. But I thought Brunskill played a hell of a year. I was concerned 
Obviously, when you lose both your tackles and your mm-hmm. guard gets hurt, you got backups, undrafted free agents. Uh, Daniel Brunskill might go down as the greatest AAF player of all time. That's you know that's kind of <laughs> where we're at. <laughs> I, I don't want to say that's not saying much, but that is really impressive. Brunskill was a huge integral part of this team. He really was this mm-hmm. year. He, he he played his part and he played it well. Uh, 49ers very much this year was next man up mentality. And we yeah. saw that a lot out of Brunskill. It didn't matter, like you said, left tackle, right tackle, right guard. He was a, a, a Swiss Army knife on the offensive line and kept the offense humming. Um, my underrated, so when I did this on Twitter, my original underrated was DeForest Buckner. And then DeForest Buckner went and got second team all pro. So I don't think I can say he was underrated anymore. Um, I, I don't necessarily think, I don't want to say he didn't deserve it. I'm just saying I think he's finally getting credit for what he did last year. And I think Fred Warner is going to be very similar. Um, where, you know, yeah. last year Buckner has a monster year, and then now he's finally getting recognized for what he does. I think if, if Warner goes out and has another similar year next year, he will see the All-Pro honors. But anyway, back to my underrated. Who do you think took the fourth most defensive snaps? So let's say one is going to be Nick Bosa. Okay. Two is going to be DeForest Buckner. Uh-huh. Three is going to be Richard Sherman. Who do you think who do you think had the fourth most snaps out of any 49ers defender this year? Um, somebody that we probably were worried about um, playing that much, and I'm gonna go with Jimmy Ward. Bingo. It is Jimmy Ward. <laughs> Jimmy Ward played seventy eight percent of the snaps on defense this year. 78%. And as much as we all love to joke about, oh, Jimmy Ward's hurt, take a drink, I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. He's been an Iron Man this year. He's played in all 16 games. He's been an absolute stud as a safety. Uh, you know, well, he think... missed the first three, remember? Oh, correct. Correct, correct, correct. Correct. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Excuse me. 13 games this year. 13 games. But since he's come back, he has been that guy for, for Robert Sala and his defense. They've been very good. Jimmy Ward is playing center field very well. He's not he's not throwing up the stats. He's not throwing up the stats. He's not getting interceptions. It's done. But uh, we talked about in the Saints game. How many touchdowns did Jimmy Ward save by being the yeah, last man standing? Last man standing, just he making an open field tackle. Um, I think Jimmy Ward's been an incredible player for someone who's been dogged so hard by 49ers faithful for years, for years because of his inability to stay on the field. Once he came back from his original injury, he's been phenomenal. He's been phenomenal, I think. So Jimmy Ward gets my underrated of the year. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy's Jimmy been a quiet uh, player on this team. You don't see him much in the stat sheet, but you, you feel him on the field when he's making, you know, big plays, you know, to preventing big plays from happening. You know, he's that eraser, um, what they expected from the defense. It's been a great year, man. This team is um, – has had you know its fair share of highs, and then there's been a couple lows, and mm-hmm. I think most of us would agree on the most disappointing. But I'm a, I'm gonna let you take this one on the most disappointing. Oh man, most disappointing. It's Dante Pettis, right? Yeah. It's Dante Pettis. Um, yeah. I, I know a lot of people have been talking to me about. They said Solomon Thomas. Well, I talked about the very beginning of the year. Solomon Thomas has found money. Anything they get from him, any production they get from him is is found money. It's good. It's cool. I wasn't expecting anything from Solomon Thomas. Nothing against him. It's just he doesn't seem like he's in his element at the NFL level. Um, but Dante Pettis showed a lot of promise as a rookie. Showed a lot of promise as a rookie. And, for, and he just fell into Shanahan's doghouse and couldn't do it. And I think you touched on it earlier when you said that Shanahan wants physical wide receivers. 
Yeah. I don't think Dante Pettis falls into that. Falls into the Shanahan view of what he wants from his guys. And I think that's why he's so outsnapped now by guys like Kendrick Bourne, who is not afraid. Not afraid to scrap it up with dudes. Um, it just, just, yeah, just Dante Pettis. I think he's been the, a couple key touchdowns, you know, game winners against yeah. Arizona, game winner against uh, Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. some key plays. But now we've seen it down the stretch where he's not even playing at all. It, not what you want second year out of your second round second round pick yeah you know and for the folks who want to put you know solomon in this conversation solomon's still getting snaps you know he's still in the defensive rotation yeah um pettis we haven't seen him since god knows when he hasn't had a snap you know a a live snap in a while and i you know i for one want to see him play i think you have to give some guys opportunities um granted he may have been outworked by Debo and, and, and Kendrick and obviously Emmanuel Sanders is always going to get his snaps, but um, you, it, it's not like Dante Pettis forgot how to run routes. It's it's not that he forgot how to catch a ball, and you know it comes down to I think it's just that physicality. You know at this point I'd I just rather see Pettis return punts, yeah. um, do be on the field for something. But that's the most disappointing. I thought. You know, a lot. I think all 49ers fans were hoping that Dante would be wide receiver one or wide receiver two, or you know, even just contribute to equal or a little bit more than what he did last year. You know, he was super hot towards the end of the year, and you know, we got all excited as as 49ers fans that hey, you know, we might we might have found something here, um, even without Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball. Nick Mullins had a nice rapport with um, with Dante Pettis, and it it hasn't worked out. And you know, who knows what'll happen. This offseason, who knows what will happen next year. Um, but I still I think there's some – I think I don't think Kyle Shanahan has given up on him that easily. It's just when you're in the Shanahan doghouse, that goes for Mike Shanahan too. You're kind of stuck there until, you know, you prove otherwise or they're forced to use you. And yeah. Uh, yeah. this is kind of where Dante's at right now. And it's unfortunate, but, um, you know, it is it is rather disappointing as a 49ers fan, you know. You don't you don't want to go and have to trade outside outside of the building for a wide receiver, but you know having the lack of production from Dante kind of forced their hand uh, with getting uh, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, and of course the Jalen Hurd injury um, didn't help them at all, or or the Trent Taylor injury. So Dante yeah. Pettis is um, probably far the most disappointing guy on this team. But you know for him to not play and be a pretty positive person, you know he's taking things in stride and. Hopefully he's learning from it, getting better in in the weight room and practicing, and you know, because you know, down the road he may be a guy that the Niners are going to need. Who knows? Yeah, anything can happen in the playoffs. You never know. They're they're one injury from leaning on Dante Pettis really heavily. Correct. Uh, Debo Emmanuel and and Kendrick Bourne top three <clears throat> clearly top three have yep. stayed healthy throughout pretty much the course of the second half of the season, and yeah, one of those guys goes down. Dante Pettis can be right back in the lineup, and he's going to need yep. to produce him and Richie James both. Um, but, you know, we, we've covered enough 49 stuff. Mm-hmm. There's finally a weekend where we don't have to worry about football. We haven't had to worry about this since week four. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm going to worry about it. But well, you can you worry about to. it. But the 49ers <laughs> aren't playing. There's no worry that the 49ers are going to lose this weekend. There's no way they can yes. lose this weekend, but we have four games ahead of us. I don't so have to pace in my living room this weekend. Yeah, let's let's be pretty quick about this because we're running very long-winded. Um, which game do you want to start with? Go ahead and hit me with... The game. Uh, let's go Tennessee Patriots. Who you got? I'm taking Tennessee. I think I I don't want to say that it's over in 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 uh, New England, but I, I like what Tennessee is doing in the run game. I like what they do out of a bigger sets uh, in the pass game. 
Um, I think they match up really, really well versus the Pats. But it is the Patriots. It's in Foxborough, so you never know. Um, but I really like the way Tennessee's playing football right now. A.J. Brown is a monster. Derrick Henry, yeah. he's rested. You know, he, whatever injury he may have sustained, he's rested. He's coming back healthy. Um, the offensive line is doing pretty well. And then on defense, Tennessee plays defense pretty well. They, they cover well. They stop the run. Um, there's things there. And then the Pats are just lacking ever since they lost their fullback. Now they're going to be using a linebacker at fullback. Um, so there's a lot of questions there on what they're going to be doing um, in this game. But I'm going to take Tennessee in this one. I could be wrong. I don't care if I'm wrong on this one. I, You know, it's the AFC. Um, but Tennessee, I would like to see win this game, and I think they will. It'll be a close one, but I think Tennessee can pull it out. Yeah, I th- I'm taking Tennessee as well. Um, I think just a little bit of a changing of the guard. Um, when you look at Lamar Jackson and, and Patrick Mahomes got the first round by. I'm not saying the NFL has protected Tom Brady through a lot of his runs, but I think they're done. I think they're done watching over him. I think they're done protecting him. I really think this yeah. is the year where they're finally ready to move on from Tom Brady. They finally have AFC competitors that can take over and be consistent with Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City, Baltimore, right? Established coaches, yeah. established winning regimes. I think they're ready to finally move on from New England. I think Tennessee takes this one. Look, Tannehill, I'm going to say this about another game later on. The playoffs aren't about who the best team is. It's about who the hottest is. And the Patriots yeah. are limping into the playoffs right now. That loss against Miami when you were about to secure a first-round bye and you go and lose against that team, which, by the way, is playing very well for Brian Flores, so don't take me wrong. And and New England traditionally falters with Miami for some reason. Yeah. Which is why Tannehill uh, is the, Which is why Adam brought up Tannehill is the most winning quarterback against <laughs> the Patriots in okay. the last, like, 15 yeah. years. Or something like that. Some, some crazy stat. And it's because they always struggle with the Dolphins. Or where was Tannehill at? He's in Miami. I'm taking Tennessee. I, 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 I think it's close. It's going to be a sloppy game. It's supposed to be wet, rainy, all that stuff. I think that favors Tennessee. I think that New England doesn't have that big play person. They don't have that, that, that one guy that can make that big play. And Tennessee has two of them in, in, in Henry and in A.J. Brown. So I'm taking Tennessee in that one as well. Uh, sticking with the AFC. Let's go Baltimore. Excuse me, not Baltimore. Buffalo and Houston. In Houston, Buffalo, the wildcard team. I'm going to be short and sweet with this one. I don't trust Bill O'Brien in the playoffs. I'm taking Buffalo. And I am going with the better quarterback. So I'm taking the Texans, Deshaun Watson. Um, and if, if Will Fuller is healthy, that is a matchup that I like. Um, all By all accounts, Will Fuller should be playing in this game. The Texans operate a little bit differently when Will Fuller's on the field. I'm yep. going to take Texans in this one. Okay. I think that one's going to be one of the more interesting games of the weekend. Um, Should be good. That one, you're not sure where it's going to go. It seems like Tennessee and and New England is going to be like a slop fest. But this one seems like it could be super high scoring, could be super low scoring. We don't know. Are we going to see a really good Buffalo team? Are we going to see a really good Josh Allen? Are we going to see like disastrous Josh Allen? But I think uh, think Josh Allen has put it together down the stretch. Um, I like Sean McDermott more than I like Bill O'Brien. So that's, that's also very that, fair. That's where I'm at. <laughs> I love Sean McDermott as a coach. I think Sean McDermott is a fantastic coach. So I'm taking I'm taking Buffalo. Uh, no Buffalo bias. My old man is definitely not in Houston for the game right now with his brother and his cousin. <laughs> Promise they're not decked out in Buffalo gear down in Houston right now. No bias whatsoever. No, definitely None. not. None. But let's switch over. Um, let's switch over to the NFC. Uh, let's start with the game that isn't the most important to us this weekend. As New Orleans um, and Minnesota. 
Who you got? Yeah. Man, I don't know. My heart tells me to pick New Orleans. I mean, my head tells me to pick New Orleans. My heart says Minnesota. For some weird reason, I have a feeling Minnesota can pull this pull this one out of their ass. Um, but for podcast purposes, I'm just going to go with New Orleans. <laughs> um, just because it, it, New Orleans has too much firepower. Uh, Minnesota just lost their corner, uh, Mike Hughes. Um, Xavier Rhodes has been struggling. Like all these reasons that I'm saying that the Minnesota should lose um, is, you know, you never know. It's the playoffs. Anything can happen. Um, can Kirk Cousins get hot? I don't know. Can Kirk Cousins show up in a primetime game? I don't know. Um, but I'm just gonna go with New Orleans. They are the hot. They are the hotter team. And I kind of want to see New Orleans in Green Bay um, and see what that looks like if if Drew Brees can handle the cold weather. Um, and everything like that. But I'm going to go with uh, New Orleans in this one. Sean Payton, Drew Brees, Superdome playoffs. Not in the NFC Championship game. Drew Brees' swan song year, possibly. Saints take this one. Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't think this one's close. I got I got the Saints winning by two scores. But now on to the most important game of the weekend. The one every 49ers fan is going to be paying attention to. Philly and Seattle. Adam took Philly. Adam Rank took Philly when we talked to him. Look, got. look, my brother's an Eagles fan. My basically basically my best man at my wedding is an Eagles fan. Um I'm going with Philly and part of it is I'm from Pennsylvania originally, so I, I grew up watching Philly. And there's something weird about playing in Philadelphia. There's something about losing an emotional game like the way the Seattle Seahawks lost against the Niners. Then they have to travel. Um now I know they're getting clowny back. He was not on the injury list at all with any designation. Quandre Diggs is back. They're still lacking a running back. Um, but I, I, Philly, Carson Wentz has been playing really well. Um, there's there's reasons why he may have been playing really well. Redskins, Giants twice, Cowboys. The teams that they played weren't very good. Um, but there's just something about playing in Philadelphia during the playoffs in a, in a later afternoon game. That stadium gets rocking. You know, the people talk about CenturyLink Field. If you've never been to Lincoln Financial Field, that's another place you should go and watch an evening game. That place gets to rocking. And uh, I think Philly can pull this game out. I got Philly by six points. I'm with you. I'm taking Philly. And I said earlier, I was going to bring it up later, right? It's not about who Mm -hmm. the best team is. It's about who the hottest team is. And it's hard to find a hotter team in the NFL right now than Philly. It's very hard to do that. Look, they're, they're, they're suffering through a ton of injuries. So are 17 Seattle. guys so on injured reserve. 17 guys on injured reserve. It sounds like a 49er season Yeah, out in Philly. But the biggest difference is they're replacing guys like Alshon Jeffrey and, and Nelson Aguilar, who are, on paper, really good wide receivers. But when you watched them play this year, it didn't seem like they necessarily wanted to play. They didn't fight through injuries. They didn't fight to catch passes. They alligator-armed ones. The lights got in their eyes. They had some yeah. excuses. Now they're busting out all these practice squad guys, like your Kendrick Bournes, like your Richie Jameses, like all these guys that need to prove something, right? There's something to prove. They, they, they need to be on an NFL roster. This, their whole life has been built towards getting on an NFL roster. They haven't signed a monster contract. I think that's what Philly's playing with, and I think they've got that underdog mentality again where no one thinks they're going to win this game, right? They wore all those dog yeah. masks and everything on their Super Bowl run. Look, I'm not saying Philly's making a Super Bowl run. They're not. They're not. They're not picking it. They're not making it past the wild card round. But they're going to win this one. They're going to win this one. This is my lock of the week. 
I don't know what I have to do if I miss my lock of the week. But it's my lock of the week. You know, uh. We talk about it all the time. As long as Russell Wilson is living, breathing, and and, and under yeah. center, they have a chance. But I really just yeah. believe in I believe in Philly, like you said, hostile environment coming across the country. Seattle limping into the playoffs, multiple injuries. They lost to the Cardinals big time at home. They lost on a very emotional game week seventeen. I just think Philly takes this one. I, I, I really do. I think Philly wins this one, and I think this is the final straw that breaks the camel's back of the NFL getting rid of the division winners getting a home game. Yeah. Um, the Like I said, I got my brother's an Eagles fan. My best friend is an Eagles fan. He There's no there's no more underdog talk. He said, the wolves are out. I was like, man, Eric, if you don't get out of here with this nonsense, <laughs> get off my phone. <laughs> um you know, but that's that's how Philadelphia is, man. It's an underdog city. It's an underdog mentality. They fight to the very end. That goes for all their sports teams. Um, and the Eagles are going to be a tough out. You know, if they come to San- Levi's, that's going to be a tough game. Um, if they come, if if the Seattle comes into Levi's, that's going to be a tough game. Um, you know, if I had to rank them, the teams that I don't want to play um, by the, the the most, the team that I don't want to play the most is Seattle. Team Correct. I'd rather see is the Eagles. Team that I I'd be I would just laugh at would be the Vikings. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, I, that's kind of the order that I have them in there, but, um, it's gonna be a fun weekend, man. I don't have to worry about, I don't have to have a heart attack this weekend. I'll save it for next weekend. Um, so, you know, four games two two tomorrow or two, yeah, two Saturday, yep. two Sunday, two Sunday, and then you got the national championship game. Uh, you want to touch on that real quick? Who do you got Clemson or uh, LSU? Uh, man, LSU. Joe Burrow, yeah. I think at one point he had more touchdowns than incompletions. Like it's Joe Burrow, it's the Joe Burrow show. Uh, Clemson, uh, they, I'm gonna Ohio, Ohio State got robbed. I hate Ohio State, but they got robbed. Uh, <laughs> it's LSU. I don't care. I, I don't have to care about college football this year. I don't have to yeah. pay attention. The 49ers don't draft until 32. I don't have to pay attention. Uh, you have to pay attention. Everyone, pay attention. Um, I'm going B <laughs> BYOG. Bring your own guts. Let's go Clemson. I'm taking Clemson on Monday night. So. Um, All right, there we go. Friendly, friendly wager then. The usual. Yeah, we'll do something. Um, and uh, yeah, that that's a cover for this week. Uh, there is no Niners game. We will be back next week. We'll be talking to um, some a former player uh, about the uh, upcoming playoff game. Yep. And uh, the the Niners are rested. They are getting healthy. Quan Alexander possibly back. We will know more later on next week. Kwaski Tart. Yeah, Kwaski Tart back. D four practicing, um, it's uh, it's on, baby. The Niners are getting healthy at the right time that like we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, right now it's the best time, right right before a playoff run. And uh, we'll be back later on this week. Uh, for those of you guys who ordered your shirts, I will be mailing them out first thing in the morning. Once I'm done editing this podcast, they will be out in your mailboxes um, and ready to go. And then the other fifty that we are placing orders for will be out um, sometime later next week. Um, but until then, I'm Javi. That is Matt. Catch us on Twitter at Fourth and Gold Podcast. On Twitter, Cast Podcast. Anywhere podcasts are found: Google, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you download your podcasts. And then follow me on Twitter at Javier Vague underscore. Follow my guy Matt at Matt Bar underscore. And uh, we will be back next week. Until then, enjoy the games this weekend. Enjoy the national championship. Um, enjoy your families. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. I forgot to say that earlier. It is the 2020. Uh, this 2019-2020 49ers team is on a roll. Let's not end it um, after the uh, first playoff game. Let's get this thing going. Let's go to the Super Bowl. Um, until then, go Niners. Peace. Peace.